Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. This is the Jewish New Year, so I have to say Shana Tova. And I hope I said that right. Every time I try saying anything in Hebrew, the people who really speak Hebrew, they, they laugh at me. Uh, one, one time I was, I was actually in a synagogue with a friend of mine, and, and I, I tried to say something in Hebrew, and they, the whole place just erupted in laughter. <laughs> so, well, you guys don't because you don't know any better. But the Jewish New Year has begun. It is the year 5781. Stay with me here for just a minute, all right? Uh, but but the, it's the year 5781 because the Hebrew calendar goes back to the creation of Adam. Now, I put this out there. You can look at on the church uh, on the the church Facebook page for this. But I've, I've I've given nine prophetic declarations based upon Hebrew numerology of this year, uh, also regarding the unique Torah passages that are being spoken in the synagogues as the new year begins, and. Uh, and this is significant. I, I began looking at this and studying this about about two months ago, and I began writing this out and listening. I got, you know, is, is this from the heart of God? And I really believe that it is. But but I, here I want you to catch this. This is a weekend of pivot also, because this is the second portion of a triad of six-month seasons that began on March 18th. Uh, that was the day when the federal government declared the national emergency through COVID. And, and I, I, I felt it at this time, at that time, and I only told very few people, but I felt this as that we're moving into an 18-month season of transition. It doesn't mean for 18 months COVID's going around. It really has nothing to do with that in, in particular. But, but is we're moving into an 18-month season of transition. And, and, and I, I believe what I felt the Holy Spirit saying is that at the end of those 18 months, the doors are going to be open for thousands upon thousands of people to come to Jesus. There's going to be a release of God's anointing in our churches and in our city and across this nation. I believe it with all my heart. Um, and, and, and what I felt the Holy Spirit saying, and you guys who've been around, you know I've been talking about this for a while, but I just got to say it again, is that, is that what you do during this 18-month time period, which really started six months ago, what you do will actually determine your course for a long time. I believe God is saying you've got 18 months to figure a few things out. And as you figure these things out in this window of time, it puts you on a trajectory that's going to be going to allow you or disallow you to be a part of what I could consider to be one of the greatest outpourings of the Holy Spirit on our nation. And, uh, and I didn't realize that these dates actually corresponded with the Jewish calendar up front. I didn't realize it. I didn't, it didn't come to me until about two months ago as I was looking at some planning. And I was like, there's the, there's the beginning of this next six-month triad that I felt in my spirit, like three, three sections of six months uh, during these 18-month period. And this, this uh, second section of, of uh, six months, which begins now, actually happens at the beginning of the Jewish New Year. So I, I began to do a lot more research into it than I typically 
typically do. And, and I just want to tell you that, that uh, this is a new season. It is a season, this, this six-month season that we're in now, which I believe to be the second of the triad, is a time to regroup and adapt because the times are changing. And when I say regroup and adapt, that's, that's for the church, but it's also for your own individual life. And God gives us time. The scriptures say that God gives us prophetic words so that we know how to prepare ourselves. And now's the time to regroup and adapt. And, and that's, that's, you know, God will reveal to you exactly what that means. But, but for our church, I believe that this six-month period is a period that's marked by three terms. And those three terms are equip and engage and empower. So uh, again, if you were partners regroup or heard any of my sermons over the past couple months, you know that I really feel that as we move into this season, it's time for us to equip uh, for, the, for ministry and the word of God like never before. And that involves understanding the word, how to interpret the word, and how to, how to share it with others. Engage, engage is the second word, which is engage in ministry and engage in, in, in uh, sharing Jesus in your own unique way on your cultural street. And the third word is to empower. And that is to the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which is dunamis, and also understanding and receiving the delegated power and authority that comes from Jesus. And actually today in my message happens to be, it just happens to be that way that where we, where we talk about this delegated authority that comes from Jesus. So I want to give to you these nine principles very quick. So today you get two sermons in one. That's why you're still playing. So you get to play through the whole first sermon. All right, can I preach two sermons today? I promise not to keep you till 4 p.m., but here we go. But there is great parabolic um, uh, uh, symbolism that has to do with the launch of the new year. And, uh, and, and this weekend, I felt the Holy Spirit saying this. Actually, I felt this two months ago. Watch what occurs during the days of the entrance of the new year as the old year passes, which it has passed now, and the new year comes on the Hebrew calendar, which some call it God's calendar, but but it's the Hebrew calendar. Watch what happens because it's a time of pivot. One of, the, one of the very interesting things I've seen is the peace accords, the, the Abraham accord with, uh, with, the, with, with Israel, and those are amazing things which people thought could never happen. But even, uh, even at the very launch, right at the very launch of the new year, uh, Justice G, uh, Ginsburg, she passed away. And, uh, and, and we mourn her passing, but we also understand that she was the strongest advocate of abortion on the, uh, on the U.S. Supreme Court. And, and because of her vote, many, 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 many people, I believe, have been allowed to be, their lives to be extinguished before they never left the womb. They never got the right to vote. They never got the right to, to live in this land of ours. They never got a the rights that we live with. When we say everybody matters, I'm telling you what, the babies matter. The babies matter. And uh, I think it's significant. I think it's significant. Holy Spirit said, watch what happens over this time period. And we're moving into a 10-day, it's begun now, a 10-day period of, of Rosh Hashanah, which is celebrating the Jewish New Year. And, uh, and here are the nine principles that, that I felt that God was saying. And if you want these, go, you need to go to the church, uh, City Life website or uh, Facebook page. But it's a season of circumcision, which means of cutting away uh, of, 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 of things in our life that just needs to be cut away. Cut away the nonsense. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's 
I, I think it, it's, it's physical, but it's also spiritual. A second thing is I believe that as we move into this new year, we are now moving into this 12-month period of recognizing God's covenant promises. As the seed of Abraham, there are certain covenant promises that are upon us, and we need to receive those and understand those. Third, this is a season of redigging old wells, uh, we are, where we are to go back and discover what was lost. The things that were lost, the things that were covered up, now is the time to revive it and bring it to life. But it's going to take some muscle. You're going to have to get in and do this, all right? Uh, the, the fourth one is this, is we are moving into a season where we must watch and pray, meaning that we need to keep our eyes open and be on guard against the enemy and his attempts to thwart our lives. The fifth one is this, is we're moving into a season where we are to plow and not look back. Again, that speaks of using energy, okay? So don't, uh, don't leave the plow or drop out because you get confused or because you get weary or you see things happening in the culture. No, it's a season to plow and it begins now and that rhymes. So hold steady, okay? The sixth of the nine is this. It is to, this is a season of a separation of good and evil. It's, it's like a fence has been erected and we must separate ourselves from anything that will hold us back in our walk with God. Now's the time to do so. We need to align ourselves with Christ. Number seven is this, is this is a season where God will give us strength to endure and to lead. Now, some of the things that, that, I've, that I've found in the, in the number studies, the scripture studies associated with this, this year have to do with exerting some extra energy. But here I find something very refreshing right mixed in with it is that God is going to supernaturally help you to bear up under the weight of this season. Thank God. It's going to come from God, all right? And this is also a season where we must uh, surrender ourselves to God and listen to the voice of God. It's kind of like this series that I'm in, which I didn't even correlate it back with this, but it's, it's this thing of hear what the Spirit is saying to you. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And not only listen, but begin to speak it out to prophesy, which strangely enough actually drops into my sermon today. I didn't plan that either. But the word of your testimony must be released. And it's time to discover and to lay hold of the promises from God's word for you, for your life, for your business, for your family, and declare them. Speak them out of your mouths prophetically. And number nine, the ninth thing, I love this. I saved this for last. The ninth thing that, that I see in my study of this is that you, it, it's this amazement. There will be amazement. You will be amazed at what you will see this year. And it will not by, be by your might. It will not be by your power, but it will be by the Spirit. So your prayers count. Amen? All right. Hey, well, Wednesday uh, at noon, I'm continuing my series of teaching called The False Religion of Marxism. Part two will be launching this Wednesday at noon. I hope you'll, you'll catch that. If you can't watch it live, you can always watch it on, on YouTube, City Life app, Facebook, all those cool places or whatever, or uncool places, whatever you want to think, Vimeo. But, uh, but I want you to catch up. This is really just about a 15-minute teaching on Wednesdays to engage your hearts with some things that are right there in God's Word. All right? Okay, let's go ahead and get your Bibles out. Open your Bibles up to Revelation chapter number 2, verse 18. Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. I'm going to read uh, about 11 verses of Scripture here. 
as we wrap up this particular chapter. Uh, Revelation, um, the, the, what you're about to hear, what I'm going to read to you today, were these are actually the words of Jesus, okay? These are the words of Jesus. They were written by John, and, and Jesus told John to write all of this down. Some of the, the book of Revelation is write down what you see uh, or what you hear, or what you experience, but, but in this particular case, Jesus says, write down these words that I'm about to tell you. So chapter Chapters 2 and 3 are very, very interesting because he said, write these things down, and you're going to write these down to these seven churches. There are seven churches in the Asia Minor area. These would have been very significant churches in that day. And, uh, and he said, write these things down, and you're going to send this letter. So he, the whole book of Revelation is really a letter. You're going to send this letter, and they're going to pass it along between the seven churches. God has miraculously allowed this to be intact for us today. So the book of Revelation was a letter written to seven churches churches in Asia Minor, but it has everything to do with the end of time, the end of the age, because it was written to seven literal churches going through literal situations, but it also is written to us as an end of the age church, and it is very wise for us to pay attention to this. For the longest time, I always thought chapters two and three of the book of Revelation seem out of place. Like, why are these letters to these churches in here? It has nothing to do with all the cool stuff we see later on. Actually, it has everything to do with it because it is the prelude. This is what God is saying to the church. Instead of getting so mystified by the stuff you don't understand in the rest of the book of Revelation, get, get, uh, get, get your heart and your right mind focused on what God is saying to the church at the beginning, because he's speaking this to us as well. Today we're going to be looking at the letter to, a, to a, the church located in a city called Thyatira. Uh, how many of you all have been there? Don't raise your hand because you'll be lying if you say that you've been there. <laughs> but it was written to um, the, the city in Thyatira. And the, the question we need to ask is, what was the Spirit saying to that church? See, what we want to know is, what is the Spirit saying to us, to our church, right? What is the Spirit saying to us? That's ultimately what we want to know. But you can never make the Scriptures mean what they never meant. And that's, that's called exegesis. I taught you about that last week. So you really have to go instead. It's, it's fine just to read it for face value, but you've, if, if you really want to get the understanding of this, you need to go back and understand what was happening in that culture, what was happening in that city, what were the Christians experiencing, what was the culture like. And then when you can understand that, then you have illumination to understand what this is really about and how then it can be applied to our lives. So I want to take you on that journey yet again today. Uh, in Thyatira, there was a huge temple there, uh, as opposed to the, the city we talked about last week that had the, the, the throne of Satan and four other temples. This had one big temple, and this was the temple to Apollo. Now, that's not Apollos. Apollos is a preacher in the New Testament. Don't get the two confused. They're very, very different. But, uh, but Thyatira was founded by Alexander the Great. You guys learned about him in world history. Alexander the Great, uh, he established the city and set it up as a military garrison. And, and, uh, and as military people in that time, when it was originally founded, their, their, uh, their god, or you, know, you, would, you would have to say that, that the god that, that was their, uh, their, their token god was Apollo. And so they built the temple, the grand temple of Apollo that was there. 
And, uh, and, and it's, it's good to understand a little bit about that because that would be a prevailing demonic force that was established in the heart of the city. You ever want to know uh, spiritual roots or th- things about a city? It's good to go back to the, the roots that, that were there, uh, even if, whether it was built on good foundations or demonic foundations. So it was built on demonic foundations based around the idolatry of this god, who's not a god, but a false god called Apollo. Apollo was known as the son of God. Apollo was the son of Zeus, so they called him the son of God. Apollo was a man, a, a God who, who, who they believed, and you can even see it because I've studied all the art on Apollo also, the writings of the art, but he had fiery light beaming forth from his eyes. So he had these eyes of fire, these eyes that were ablaze, and, and, he was, he, and, and attention was always drawn to his feet because he was the first of the gods to have wings on his feet, and every, every image of him is bronze, bronze feet. It's interesting because then we go to the passage itself and we see Jesus now identifying himself as the son of God. Jesus identifies himself as the one who has fire in his eyes. And Jesus identifies himself as the one who has the feet of burnished bronze, which is amazing. What Jesus was doing through his words to that church is he was overthrowing the false religion with his own words. That's pretty powerful. My God is a God with eyes of fire, feet of burnished bronze, and he is the son of God, and that overthrows every spirit that exists over there. And I'm telling you what, the temple of Apollo is gone, and Jesus continues to rule. Understand a little bit about that culture is important. Another thing to understand about the, uh, just the, 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 the daily life that was happening there in Thyatira, uh, they had these textile guilds, and it's really important to, to, to know what was going on there. In my study of this, there's, there's a lot of writing actually about Thyatira and the textile guilds and even some of the challenges that Christians had there. But uh, Thyatira was a prosperous town, but it wasn't like a world-class city uh, like Pergamum or, or Ephesus like we've, we've recently studied. But you know, in many ways, it was, it was an average city. It was just a, a good city, but still they were, they were prosperous. Textiles was the primary commodity. So they had a lot of bronze smiths and silversmiths and pottery makers. And, and it was, uh, it was just, just incredible you know, amount of trades that were there. Now, the occupational structure at that time were through the guilds, okay? A guild is kind of like a labor union on steroids. Uh, the, the guilds were like the heart of the culture. It was the heart of the social, the religious, and the career culture. So it all fit together. You were a part of a different guild, and so that's where you fit into that society. Now, the guilds would hold, uh, you know, different textile, like the pottery guild, they would hold there, the silversmith guild, they would hold their thing. There were these huge festivals that they would, they would hold to, and, and all of the workers from that particular guild were to come to the festival. And, uh, and the, there's a problem with that for the Christians is these, these uh, guild assemblies were held in the temple of Apollo. Now, by this time in the city of Thyatira, uh, the, 
the Apollo was no longer seen as the god of war or the god of authority. He was now seen as the god of the guilds. And that's how they worshipped him. And so they would go to these events at the temple, the guilds were. And again, if you're, so if you're a silversmith, you better go because that's your thing and you better not miss out on this because trouble might happen. But there they would eat and they would party and they would also engage in a lot of sexual activities that were required by the Greek uh, religious temple culture. So they would have to go and do these things. And, and they had to do these things from, from the temple culture in order to gain favor from the gods. In this case, gain favor from Apollo. Now remember this, I've talked to this before, behind every idol, behind every false god is demons. Okay, there, there's a demon, there's demonic spirits there. So this would have been actually a form of demon worship. And so it was bad. And the Christians understood this. They, they, they knew that. So what is a Christian supposed to do when you live in the city of Thyatira? You're kind of like stuck because if you're not going, uh, you risk a lot. And, and they believed, not the, the Christians didn't believe this, but, but the others believed this, that if you don't go, then your particular craft from your guild uh, could, could come under devastation because you might make Apollo mad and you don't want to make Apollo mad so you could cause an economic collapse by that particular trade. So, so what would happen is if you don't come, there were occasions that if you didn't come, you didn't show up to involve yourselves in this sexual deviancy and all this, this eating and feasting and partying that happened, which was really an offering to Apollo, then you did, if you didn't come, you were potentially causing a problem with the guild and you could be cast out of that guild, which, in many, which kind of meant that you would lose your job. You wouldn't be able to make nearly as much money. And so there was this huge pressure on Christians that they needed to worship in the temple of Apollo. And if you don't, your income will suffer. Every follower of Jesus simply had to make a choice. Their choices, in some cases, was Jesus or my career. Now you understand the pressure they were under. Understanding the pressure that they're under, now let's take a look and see what Jesus said to the church of Thyatira. Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, he says, To the angel of the church of Thyatira. Remember, understand the word angel simply means uh, the, the, the lead pastor or lead preacher or, or whatever. So, so this is actually written to the preacher so the preacher can, can declare it, Okay. To the angel of the church of Thyatira, I write these words. These are the words of the Son of Man, who eyes are like blazing fire. Hello. <laughs> the Son of God. See, the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, whose feet are like burnished bronze. All of a sudden, he dethrones the enemy. Pretty cool right there. He says, I know your deeds, your love, and your faith, your servant, and your perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and to the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. How would you like this if, I mean, this name is forever in, in the scriptures of being a very bad person. I mean, would, had, she had no idea we'd be reading this 2,000 years from now. Here we are, okay? Uh, boy, that's not how you want your name to be in the Bible. It says, so I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of their ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches the hearts and the minds and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. 
Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira. So he's addressing this woman and her disciples. They were part of the church. Now he's saying to the rest of you at the church, to you who do not hold to her teaching and who have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. That's a word right there. Hold on. You say, well, this doesn't apply to me. Then, then you know what? If, if what I'm talking about, talking about today may not apply to you, then the, what does apply to you, what Jesus is saying to you is hold on right now. Hold on. Just hold on until I come. To the one who is victorious, that, well, that's the word for overcome, to the one who overcomes is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery. And believe me, they knew about pottery. <laughs> Just as I have received authority from my father, I will also give that one the morning star. And then he wraps it up with these Familiar words, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I want us to pray right now. God, we want to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Thank you for this message that was given to the church of Thyatira. And God, we receive it. We take it in for ourselves. And we, we, we choose to allow you to process this in our hearts and our minds and speak to us regarding the relevancy of what this means for us today. We want to hear what the Spirit says now to the church. In verse 19, Jesus tells the church at Thyatira, he says, I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your servants, your perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. And I, I love that because God, Jesus, he gives commendations. And we, 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 we can't rush to the next part until we look at this. Because God notices these things. And what he's saying here is, is that the, the people of this church, they've just had increasing levels of good deeds and love and faith and service and perseverance. Really, this church was on an upward trajectory. They were moving up. They were doing good. And, and I think that's huge because of the pressures that was upon the Christian church at that time. Uh, and, 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 and there's a pattern here that you see all through these letters to the churches is that every time God corrects, he also commends. You know what? If, if God corrects you, and he does, he will. But when God corrects, he also commends. Some people see God as having this big hatchet trying to chop you to pieces. Like, that's not my God. <laughs> no, it's not. In fact, you might say, well, there are some pretty strong words in there. Yeah, we'll get to it. But you know what? God commends. He commends you. I'll just tell you right now, some of you have been serving and doing these things. You've been increasing in your deeds and your love and your faith and your service and your perseverance. And know this, Jesus sees it all. He sees it all. And he's telling you just hold firm. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Agape love. I love it. It is faith believing for the impossible, service towards other believers, perseverance when time gets tough, constantly looking for new things that you can do for God and for the sake of his kingdom. God notices and he blesses your efforts. He notices and he blesses your attitudes. It's wonderful to be a part of his family, you know. And that's why I, I just want to encourage you guys to keep growing. Stay in the word of God. 
Just always be looking for something you can do to improve your walk with God. Just make, you know what, if you just make a little choice every day to improve your walk with God, after a while there will be a compounding effect that will be huge for you. I want to encourage you with that. God sees, he knows, and he honors you. But also, um, there was deception in that church. There was a false prophet. Now, we know that this was a particular woman, uh, and she was drawing God's people into idolatry and the accompanying sexual sin that, that was associated with it. Now, obviously, there were some church leaders that, uh, that were compromising to participate in the worship of Apollo. Uh, likely through the pressures that were on the guilds. And so they took that pressure and, and this lady and others kind of spiritualized it and they made it sound like, well, this is the Christian thing to do. We need to do this. And, and God makes it clear he has severe judgment for these people. This, this is kind of like the, some of the strongest words we see uh, regarding God's judgment on individuals that, that's here in the book of Revelation. Uh, look in verse 20. Here's what he says in, in chapter 2, verse 20. He says, nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants, that means other Christians, into, into sexual morality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. So again, those two fit together. So we know the sexual immorality is based with idolatry, which has everything to do with the worship of Apollo, okay? Jezebel, basically what she was is she was a self-appointed, uh, self-styled false prophetess. Now, um, she doesn't speak for God at all. In fact, if you look in verse number 24, what she's doing is she is, she is communicating to people. She obviously had kind of a little uh, title for her ministry. She communicates the deep secrets of Satan. So it's like, yeah, we're going to learn all about the deep secrets of Satan. I'm just telling you, guys, don't be studying the deep secrets of Satan. So right there, right, I'm just telling you, right there is a problem. Um, Obviously, she was a very clever and charismatic person. She had gifts of speech and persuasion, but she acted like she could interpret God's will. Uh, it's very likely she was a type of person who would flatter people, but really deep in her heart, she was being motivate, motivated by hell, having kind of a deep, uh, kind of a deep hatred for the real prophetic word from God that was from the Holy Spirit. So she had this counterfeit to elevate herself. Uh, ultimately, what it did is it caused believers to then fall into compromise and to some idolatrous lifestyles. Uh, her uh, her identity would have been a, a very prominent person in the church. Again, we don't know whether she held a particular office in the church, but she influenced people toward uh, bitterness and toward negativity and, uh, and basically used popular persuasion methods to bring people to her camp. Um, she would charm people. She would coerce people to her point of view. And, and you know, who, who knows exactly how she did it, but it was very strange. It was, it was, it was very different. Um, nowhere does it say that she was an official leader of the church. So, and, and, and one of the interesting things about this, apparently, apparently, nobody challenged her assumptions and her persuasive talk. It's very obvious that they were then afraid of her. They were scared of this woman. Um, it's, it's also apparent that the pastor didn't even address her or call her out. So, what happened is, then they got a letter from Jesus 
calling her out by name. <laughs> you know, so so that, that right there is, is kind of like, yeah, I wouldn't want a letter from Jesus showing up in the mail. And it's just like, come on, help me out. But, uh, but so, so obviously she, she had a lot of control and fear and just kind of instilling that in people so nobody could speak out against this woman. But when the letter arrived, the pastor had to publicly read this to the whole congregation. Kind of a scary thing. <laughs> uh, ultimately, what this would have been is this was a manipulation of the prophetic ministry in the church because her words were not from God, but she was acting like they were, which were in opposition to what was being preached. See, her words were actually from hell. And, and a person with simple discernment should have been able to understand this and to see this and to know this whole teaching about the deep secrets of Satan. Uh, now, that, that's not wrong, but it didn't happen. So Jesus has to correct it. In Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 29, I just want to read this to you. Uh, it says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That's the way we're to live. That's how to have a real spirit of prophecy. Now, I'll be candid with you. I don't like verses 21, 22, and 23 from this passage. I don't like them. Okay. I, even when I got ready to preach this, and I was reading through it all. I was like, oh, I preached on this before. I don't like that passage, God. You know, what could it, maybe, maybe that'll be a day when nobody's in church and the video systems fail. I don't know. I don't want to preach this. <laughs> you don't struggle with that kind of stuff, but I do, all right? I, it's like that. I wasn't telling God I didn't want to preach it. I kind of did, but it's like, I just don't like it. I like to preach the stuff I like, right? Well, I'm going to preach this. In the, the, but, but, I, but I did have a nice conversation with God about this. But here's what I felt God speaking to me. Is God issues these judgments upon people who continually and repetitively reject truth after warnings. Um, where they manipulate prophetic ministry, which is kind of a scary thing to do. Draw, uh, drawing people even into dark worldly practices. See, verse 21 says this, God, Jesus says, I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So God's taken it to the next level. So understand, there's a, he's given her a lot of grace already. And verse 22 says, so I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of their ways. So we see the words immorality and committing adultery with her. Those are, those are important terms because they do work with each other. So, so we, you know, we need to look at the scriptures as a whole, what, what's really being said here. Uh, and this could be either uh, literal sexual immorality and committing adultery uh, with her, or it could be figurative of leading people into the worship of idols, which the scripture calls that the same thing. Okay, But here's what I believe. I actually, in this case, strongly believe it was both. It was both. She was, she was utilizing sex and having to do with the temple worship of demons. And, and she was bringing people into this. And she was the, at the head of it. She was participating in it. And she was coercing believers to entertain darkness. And when they did this kind of stuff, they're going to start finding out the deep secrets of Satan. I'm telling you guys, that's some wicked stuff. But you know what? Witchcraft still practices that today. It does. These are practices of witchcraft. Um, so, and she was telling him basically, you can still be a Christian and do all this stuff. Uh, that's that's scary. So, so Jesus is saying, there's going to be some severe punishment to you. 
Uh, you're going to be cast on a bed of sickness and pain, and your close accomplices, they're going to suffer intensely. Look at verse 23 again. Jesus says, I will strike her children dead. <laughs> yeah, whoa. That's not something to say amen about. Nobody said amen there. Who would want to? <laughs> then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. Important words there. And I will repay each of you according to your deeds. What you do, you'll receive payment for. Uh, I grew up, there's this, this thing we always said, you reap what you sow. Do you guys still say that today? We always said, you're going to reap what you sow. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And, and, and that's what he's saying right here. Now note, though, that these words, hearts and mind. See, your heart and your mind is actually where the sin of idolatry and perversion begins. And there is, it's clear here, there is punishment, especially for anyone who would take upon themselves the role of being a false prophet and dragging other people into sinful practices and the occult saying, it's okay, we're all going to go to heaven anyway. That's scary. All right. That's, that's what he's talking about. And it says punishment will come to her children. Now, Again, I looked at this as like, so her, the kids she have, you know, I do not believe that to be the case at all. Again, you have to look at the scriptures as a whole because the scriptures as a whole make it clear that, that God's not going to punish the children for the parents' sinfulness. So, so that's, that doesn't fit into the rest of scripture. But Jesus also calls his followers in other places in the scriptures, people who are following, who are receiving a particular word or a prophetic, particular prophetic declaration, those are called the children. So they're receiving that, okay? So I believe this is not the physical children, but it is, it is the people who embraced her words and embraced her rebellion and embraced her bitterness. Here's, here's the deal. This is just a big sign that God doesn't mess around with people who falsify the prophetic word of God. And this is no small matter to try to subvert or to mischaracterize what God is saying to the church. And especially to anyone who tells you that it's okay to engage and indulge in sinful practices. And it's quiet in the house today. Let me just read you a few little scriptures here. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. There are those words again. To reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. That is almost like that's the same exact thing that Jesus was saying to the church. So I see the same pattern back here in the Old Testament. Jeremiah 17, verse 10. Also see in Matthew chapter 16, verse 27 says, the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has, what? Done. How about one more? Romans chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. Paul says, because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath Oh, right there, that's kind of scary. Who wants to store up wrath? Do you realize that you can store up blessings and you can store up wrath for yourself? And you're like, well, I don't see any wrath. I'm doing just fine. No, actually what you're doing is you're putting it all to in a storehouse. You're putting it in the bank. 
All right, let me start over again. Man, I, this is, I am not getting shouted down today, but it's, it's sobering. I, I, you know, and you guys know it. I know I'm not getting on to you. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will give to each person according to what he has done. So in this passage of scripture, we see the good things. He commends much of the church for the good things they are doing. And he comes against the evil things that others are doing. So here's what I ask you to do, because I can't see in your heart. Examine yourself. Where do you fit into this? And know this, is that God gives so much grace. He gives it, he gives it first of all, through conviction. And your conscience. And then God will show it to you through, through uh, the preaching of God's word and, and through your own reading of the word and you'll see it and you're like, okay, oh wow, this is, this is serious. And, and God then may even take it to the place where, where there's a, you get a true prophetic word from somebody and, 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 and it comes to you. With, but God will do all of this in his grace before forcibly stepping in to stop your evil activity. Now, my friend, you talk about the grace of God. That is the grace of God. That is the grace of God. Yeah, I can be going down the road speeding, going 90 miles an hour, and I get a ticket, and bam, I'm going to have to pay up. There ain't no grace for that, right? But God says, I'm just going to give you warnings. I'm going to keep giving you warnings. Hey, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Are you hearing the warnings from the Holy Spirit on any particular issues? See, now, right there, that's God talking to you. I don't know. It, you know. What's God saying? What's the Spirit saying to you, church? Will you repent? Because verse 22 says, unless they repent of their ways. You know? And judgment is not just reserved for eternity. I believe the, the, you know, that, they're, that that's where the ultimate judgment is, but judgment also happens on earth. So how do we deal with that? Well, you can actually be free from judgment by confessing your sin, requesting forgiveness, and going in the opposite direction, the opposite of what was here, the opposite of where you were going. That is repentance. See, everything that the enemy was offering these Christians uh, through this church was that Apollo would, would give them all the stuff if they, if they honored him. But see, Apollo was nothing more than a knockoff of the real son of God himself. He really was. He was just, that's why Jesus identified himself. Yeah, I'm the one with fire in my eyes. I'm the one with feet of bronze. I'm the son of God. <laughs> Here's the deal, guys. Don't be doing the knockoff, okay? You're going to be disappointed, and it's not going to take you anywhere good. Instead, part of repentance, we think of it as, well, I just ask God to forgive me, and, and I'm going to stop doing something. No, it actually means you, well, I mean, yes, but that's part of it, but it actually means you start, need to start doing something else. You need to start doing the opposite of what was happening over here. The opposite always balances it out. That's repentance. It means you do a 180 degree turn. So here's a challenge I have for you guys, because so much of this is built around false prophecy. I want to encourage my church today to pursue the gift of prophecy. See, Jezebel was a self-appointed prophet, and that was pure evil. So repentance is pursuing the opposite, so you should pursue the real gift of prophecy that comes from the Holy Spirit. This doesn't mean that you are now a prophet. Uh, that's actually an office. The office of the prophet is, is something that's spoken of in, in the Bible. That's part of the fivefold ministry. But anyone can receive the gift of prophecy. Did you know that? 
Come on, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Look at this. Look at this. Some of you, you wanted to prophesy all your life. It's yours. It really is. You have to ask for it. I can't give it to you. It says, follow, the, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So if I'm going to be a good preacher of God's Word, I am going to, to entice you and tantalize you and dangle in front of you something called the gift of prophecy, and I want you to desire it. I want you to get hungry for it. I want you to get thirsty for it, because God wants to give it to you, but I can't impart it to you. Only God can give that to you. Verse 3 says this, it says, to the one, says the one who prophesies, here, here's really your definition, he speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. God wants to use you to strengthen, to encourage, and comfort. God does not want you to reveal deep occult secrets and give unique insight into all the stuff that nobody else sees. When somebody tells you, I've got all this that nobody else sees, and I've got, you know, run the other direction, okay? I crave a release of the spirit of prophecy in my church, and I want you to be an overcomer. If you're at home watching me, I want you to be an overcomer. I want you to be victorious. I want you to stand victorious in this season during this end of the age. I, I, I'm calling for you to be men and women of God who will boldly be prophetic instruments of his word, strengthening, encouraging, comforting. And church, we need it now more than ever before. So what are the rewards for overcoming the world? Well, God's a God of rewarding. Uh, the scripture says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I, I, I don't want you to suffer judgment, but I do want you to get rewards. I mean, come on. It's like, it's like night and day. There is no middle ground here. You're either going to get judgment or you're going to get rewards. Which do you choose? Which do you choose? Do, 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 do. Which do you choose? Uh, okay, it's pretty simple right here. And, and so I, therefore I want you to live a lifestyle of repentance you know, just, it's a lifestyle and it's very personal between you and God. I mean, you can involve others in it, but, but just keep it, you know, and, and, and begin to utilize those gifts of the spirit, which is not just between you and God, but you receive them from God. And then, then they, they, they come to strengthen and encourage other people around you. And Jesus said that if you do this, you are going to be victorious. So <laughs> you're going to be an overcomer. And the cool thing is the scripture says overcomers will rule. Uh, talk a little bit about that for a second. You get to rule. Uh, the Christians in this city, they were suffering economic hardship because they refused to worship Apollo and participate in the sexual deviancy involved in the idol worship. But God says he's going to put them in charge. God's people, <laughs> kind of like the, the, the old people that had the military powers back then that first started the city, they will rule with a, a rod of iron. And this really speaks of spiritual authority over darkness. Spiritual authority over darkness. That's what God wants to give you. Overcomers, you're going to have spiritual authority over spirits of darkness. Verse 26, look at it, look at it. It says, to the one who is victorious, that means who overcomes, and does my will to the end, I will give authority, exousia, over the nations, which speaks of all types of different people. Doesn't literally mean United States and Russia. And verse 27 says, that one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. Now, follow me here. In, instead of trying to twist 
the proclamation of the word of God and adapt it to evil like Jezebel did. Jesus is saying, if you resist false teaching, the false teaching that says you can act like the world and you just to blend in and be accepted so you can make more money and that is really what it's ultimately about, then you will receive something called true authority. And that's a promise for overcomers. And I even had to relate this to myself. Okay, where, where could I? Because I, I, I want everything. I, I, I want to hear from God for me personally before even sharing this. It's like, okay, where personally has this temptation come to me? And I've, I, it's, it's manifested itself over the past several months because I've actually been pressured that if I don't preach certain things that tickle the ears of the culture, then, then people in your church, they're going to quit giving and then there's going to be financial strain on the church and everything's going to be up, upside down. So you need to preach certain things. There's, I've actually been under that pressure to twist the prophetic word of God. Wait a minute. That's what Jezebel did. I'm not bowing down to that idol. I'm not going to twist the proclamation of the word of God so that I can gain a following and keep people giving. I tell you guys, that's evil. That's pure evil. I hope you will see it yourself uh, for your life and even for your business as well. How is the enemy trying to manipulate the word of God so that you can just get more money? And this this is a pressured time. I understand that. But here's my calling to you. Be an overcomer like the people in Thyatira because overcomers will rule. I, I, I like it because Jesus said you're going to rule the nations, but that word rule is the, is the Greek term for shepherd. It doesn't mean beating people up. It doesn't mean taking a sword and chopping people to pieces. It means a shepherd. This, the, and, and, and it represents this rod, this, this staff. It represents really what it is. It's the shepherd's staff that has an iron capping over it. And the, and the shepherd would use this staff with the iron cap on it to ward off marauding beasts to not mess with the God's sheep. <laughs> okay, you're getting it. In other words, you get to have the authority of a shepherd and a leader who seeks to protect others. And I'm calling some of you out. Some of you, you have that anointing. You have that gift. Some of you, you need to be connect group leaders. You need to rise up and start taking care of other people in that rod of authority. If you want that, you need to talk to me personally, all right? Verse 27 also says it's going to dash him to pieces like pottery. Again, they would have thought, yeah, we've seen plenty of pottery dashed to pieces uh, there in this town. What that speaks of is absolute power delegated from Jesus Christ to thwart darkness. Because when pottery is flawed, might look good on the outside. When it's flawed, it will fall apart and crumble. And that could destroy their industries there. So what they would do is that pottery was not working right. And there were cracks or air pockets in it. They would dash them to pieces, destroy them. That's what Jesus says is you'll be able to see and perceive and know and walk in this authority. When you see something that isn't right, you're going to be able to dash it to pieces. It's not about dashing people to pieces, all right? Your spiritual authority comes from resisting the culture that's trying to control you. And that is the authority that Christ wants to give you. 
Verse 28 also says, I will give to that one the morning star. The morning star is the symbol of the king. You remember it was the star that led them to find Jesus, the king. The morning star uh, in that culture would have meant like the badge that a police officer wears. It's a symbol of authority, except this particular badge of authority, this, the morning star, meant this. It meant that you have succeeded in resisting the urge to be deceived by false teaching and worldly practices And therefore, you get true power, true authority, because this is the season to equip and to engage and to empower the body of Christ. I believe that the morning star simply means this, is that overcomers will receive the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus will be printed on you. The name of Je- one of the names of Jesus is the bright morning star. And, and what does the morning star do? It is a symbol. Oh, this is good on today. <laughs> this is good for today. It is a symbol that a new day is arriving. And you are marked by it. Wherever you walk, you are saying a new day is arriving. Jesus says, I am the bright and morning star. And God is looking for overcomers. God is ready to give you prophetic authority for the days that we live in. And I want you to have it as well. (laughs) So what it's going to take to get there is simply the spirit of persistence and being the spirit of the overcomer, beginning to walk in your prophetic authority now. And it's not a cockiness. It's not an arrogance. It's humility. And it's holding that shepherd's staff and knowing that God's got some really good stuff for you ahead. Who's ready to pursue prophetic authority? Pursue prophetic authority. It's time to quit trying to figure out how to fit in. It's trying to fig- try- quit trying to figure out what kind of evil things you can do, which might make you a little bit more money and people will like you better. Messing- Some of you need to make the decision now. You're going to stop messing around with a cult. Stop caving to the culture and change your ways and start speaking words of healing and life. God has a wonderful road ahead for you. Today's the day to pursue prophetic authority and do it right here. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. And today is the day. Now is the time. It's time to follow Jesus like never before. That does involve walking away from sin. That does involve making a choice that you're going to die to yourself. Even pleasures that you like, but you're going to let go of them. You, some of you, you may lose friends. Some of you may uh, not have as much popularity. And trust me, these are things that the church of Thyatira knew about. So that's given to us as an example saying, this is what the end of the age Christians are going to be facing. So now I say, run to Jesus, run to him. And now's the time to make these choices in your life. Everyone across this room, will you just please lock yourself in with God? Just, just, just lock yourself in with God and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I have two prayers for you. And this first prayer is this, is if you are not serving Jesus and if there's sin in your life, now is the time to change, to repent, just like Jesus said in here, just repent. <laughs> you know, you can get rid of everything that's in that storehouse that's been stored up for you of wickedness, of judgment. You can get rid of it simply by saying, Jesus, I repent, I change, forgive me. That's you this morning. You're wanting to do this. You're ready to make a declaration to follow Jesus and to, and to forsake any kind of worldly practices. Would you just, uh, just in the quietness of this room, just lift your hand for me. Just put your hand up so I can see it. You can put it right back down. Because I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you that today is your day of breakthrough. Church, I want to pray right now. And I want every person in this room to pray with me. Pray with me, even out loud, if you're watching online. I want you to expect God to make a transformation in you now. Pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. 
wash it away by your precious blood. Today I make the choice to turn, to change, and to go in the opposite direction. I wanna pursue you and everything you have for me. Thank you for making me new as if I've never sinned. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.